Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Space News Pod. Hey, did you ever wonder about NASA and you've thought to yourself, hey, they launch rockets to Saturn, to Mars, to outer space, uh, but you know they have satellites that are looking back at Earth, and some of those satellites monitor the weather. So I'm going to talk about today um, something from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory at NASA. And this is a NASA press release, so it'll sound like a press release, but we're going to talk about um, the, uh, the El Nino that's going to be happening this year and how there's going to be flooding this year, um, extra flooding because of El Nino, and NASA knows this because of the satellites up in the sky. So let's get into it and let's start talking about El Nino. And also El Nino brings gigantic snowstorms as well. And I live in the Northeast, so I'm expecting a possible gigantic snowstorm this season. So I'm going to bundle up. We're going to get some snow tomorrow, or actually this morning, we're supposed to get some snow because I'm recording this pretty late to get this out for you guys in the morning. So uh, sit back, relax, and we're going to go over this press release from NASA and it talks about El Nino. So here we go. Such high tide flooding that inundates roads and buildings along the west coast of the Americas tends to be uncommon outside of El Nino years, but that could change by the 2030s. An analysis by NASA's sea level change science team finds that if a strong El Nino develops this winter, cities along the western coast of the Americas could see an increase in the frequency of high tide flooding that could swamp roads and spill into low-lying buildings. Now, El Nino is a periodic climate phenomenon characterized by higher than normal sea level and warmer than average ocean temperatures along the equatorial Pacific. Now, these conditions can spread poleward along the western coasts of the Americas. El Nino, which is still developing this year, can bring more rain than usual to the U.S. southwest and drought to countries in the western Pacific like Indonesia. Now, these impacts typically occur in January through March. And the NASA analysis finds that a strong El Nino could result in up to five instances of a type of flooding called a 10-year flood event this winter in cities, including Seattle and San Diego. I used to live in San Diego. It was a great place. Now, places like um, La Libertad and Beltra in, in uh, Ecuador could get up to three of these 10-year flood events this winter. And this type of flooding doesn't normally occur along the west coast of the Americas outside of El Nino years. The researchers note that by the 2030s, rising seas and climate change could result in these cities experiencing similar numbers of 10-year floods annually, with no El Nino required. Uh, Phil Thompson, an oceanographer at the University of Hawaii and a member of NASA's sea level change science team, said, I'm a little surprised that the analysis found these 10-year events could become commonplace so quickly. I would have thought maybe by the 2040s or the 2050s. Now, 10-year floods are those that have a 1 in 10 chance of occurring in any given year. They're a measure of how high local seed levels become. The extent of flooding in a particular city or community depends on several factors, including a region's topography and the location of homes and infrastructure relative to the ocean. 10-year floods can result in what the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration classifies as moderate flooding, with some inundation of roads and buildings and the possible need to evacuate people or move belongings to higher ground. And NASA's coastal flooding analysis finds that by the 2030s, during strong El Nino years, cities on the west coast of the Americas could see up to 10 of these 10-year flood events. And by the 2050s, strong El Ninos may result in as many as 40 instances of these events in a given year. 
Now, water expands as it warms. So sea levels tend to be higher in places with warmer water. And researchers and forecasters monitor ocean temperatures as well as water levels to spot the formation and development of an El Nino. Uh, climate change is already shifting the baseline sea level along coastlines around the world, said Ben Hamlinton, a sea level researcher in NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California and lead of the agency's sea level change science team. Sea levels are rising in response to planetary warming as Earth's atmosphere and ocean are heating up and ice sheets and shelves are melting. This has already increased the number of high tide or nuisance flooding days coastal cities experience throughout the year. Phenomena like El Ninos and storm surges, which temporarily boost sea levels, compound these effects. And missions that monitor sea levels, including the surface, water, and ocean topography, the SWAT satellite, and Sentinel-6 Michael Freilich helped to monitor El Ninos in the near term. Now, SWAT in particular collects data on sea levels right up to the coast, which can help the uh, improval of sea level rise projections. Now, that kind of information could aid policymakers and planners in preparation for their communities for rising seas in the next decades. As climate change accelerates, some cities will see flooding five to ten times more than often. SWAT will keep watch on these changes to ensure that coastal communities are not caught off guard, said Nadia Schiffer, SWAT program scientist and director of the Ocean Physics Program at NASA headquarters in Washington. Now, it seems like we only have a few years until more El Nino type of um, flooding starts to happen, these 10-year events. At 2050, it seems like it could be a real problem. Leading up to there, it seems like it could be a nuisance, but not like that big of a deal, but some flooding on the coastal region. So they're going to keep an eye on it. NASA is going to keep an eye on it, and we will keep you in touch with the latest about El Nino and also floods for this winter and also NASA Earth Science. So thank you so much for listening today. Uh, it's one o'clock in the morning right now. So please, uh, if you could hit the follow or the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now really helps grow the show. So thank you so much for that. Always keep wondering and always take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll see you tomorrow. Next up, we're going to be talking about SpaceX's Starlink and how SpaceX is leaping from rocket launch revenue to Starlink satellite internet revenue. And Elon Musk is in charge of SpaceX, as we all know, and it's reportedly on track to pocket a cool $9 billion in revenue this year for these two ventures, the launch business and the Starlink business. And... Insiders whisper about sales possibly skyrocketing to $15 billion by 2024. Now, Starlink seems to be sealing the show, though, and it's set to eclipse the launch business and revenue as it spreads its internet wings across the globe. Now, we're going to get into some financial details about this, and we're going to talk about the launches, and we're going to be talking about Starlink and what Starlink actually is. Uh, actually, right now, I'll tell you what Starlink is, because some of you might not be familiar with it. So uh, I'm going to give you the, the details about how it works, right? SpaceX launches these satellites on their Falcon 9 rocket. And with these satellites, they can beam a connection to the internet to your device. So you have a Starlink satellite in the air and you have a Starlink terminal down on the ground. And you can get really fast gaming speed internet 
in very rural areas. Think about like a, a log cabin in the woods or something like that. Or if you're camping or if you're out in the middle of nowhere in a desert, um, you can get internet internet access, safety through the internet access because of these Starlink terminals, because these Starlink satellites. And they have thousands of these in orbit right now, and they're sending signals back and forth from orbit back down to Earth repeatedly to people who pay them every month. So they have a bunch of people doing this. And right now, $9 billion is the number we're talking about. The rocket launches have been a success, a huge success. And now Starlink is poised to become the company's golden goose. Um, it's going to be outpacing the launch systems next year, hopefully. But let's not forget that these figures are kind of hush-hush, shared by folks who prefer to stay out of the limelight. And they're, you know, they're, they're number crunchers at this point. And sales for Starlink are on a trajectory to overtake the launch business soon, which means more and more regions will have access to SpaceX's internet services. Think about it. A service that started off with test satellites is now on the verge of being the main moneymaker for one of the most talked about companies in the world. And while SpaceX keeps a tight lid on their financials, they're not a public company, they're a private company. We got a kind of a peek behind the curtain here. There's a valuation of $150 billion for SpaceX after the recent tender offer. And these numbers aren't just huge, they're kind of astronomical. And this valuation reflects not only the commercial success of their launches for NASA, the Department of Defense, et cetera, but also the potential of their satellite-driven internet business. Now, the rocket launches are impressive. They send people to the International Space Station. They send other company satellites to orbit. But it's the internet service that's got people talking recently. Starlink isn't just kind of a side project anymore. And this is the future of SpaceX. And with Elon Musk at the helm, um, there's no cap on this launch business and also the Starlink business. It's serious now. Now, let's talk about Starlink itself. Uh, it's not average. We're talking about high-speed connections beaming down from an overgrowing constellation satellite system. And customers pay a monthly fee and a one-time charge for the hardware. So making revenue there. But what's catching eyes is the possibility of a Starlink IPO. Musk has toyed with the idea of taking Starlink public once its financial situation stabilizes. And the goal? Well, it's to ensure that this isn't just another shooting star, but a permanent fixture in the internet galaxy. And with the company hitting a major milestone by breaking even with its cash flow, the idea of an IPO gets even more tantalizing. Remember, space really isn't good for finances. Um, so some people say, if you want to make a million dollars in the space business, you have to invest 10 million, things like that. That's usually what goes around in the space circles as far as finance goes. And Musk himself said every satellite constellation project before Starlink has been a bust. But Starlink, it's a little bit different. With over 5,000 satellites already up there and counting, they're not just connecting the world, but they're rewriting the rule book of satellite internet. Most satellite internet, other than Starlink, is incredibly slow. It's hard to connect to. And Elon Musk solved that problem with Starlink. And as for going public, Musk has hinted that it might not happen until after 2025, but that's okay. They still have to build out their constellation. But with an increasing number of partnerships like the one with Maersk, an IPO is looking like a when and not an if at this point. We can't talk about SpaceX without dabbling in a little stock market speculation, though. 
So let's switch gears and discuss the SpaceX side of things. And rumor has it, investors are eyeing an IPO in the next few years. Imagine being able to buy a little piece of SpaceX, even if it's just Starlink. You don't have to buy the launch business, but Starlink too. The launch business, Elon said he wants to keep separate from Starlink. And space enthusiasts and investors are wondering if SpaceX will follow in Tesla's stock market footsteps. This buzz is huge, with investors like Ron Barron betting big on SpaceX, saying it could overshadow Tesla in the stock market. And it's a bold claim considering Tesla's huge market presence right now. But here's the deal. SpaceX has just achieved break-even cash flow with Starlink, according to Musk. And this is huge because it means they're balancing the books while connecting the globe. And with Musk announcing on his own social media platform, X, that Starlink is now a majority of all active satellites, you can feel the speculation heating up. So the bottom line is that SpaceX is not just about launching rockets or people to space anymore. It's also about providing internet service that could shape how we connect to the internet. Now, with these advancements, the market is a buzz. And of course, everyone wants a piece of SpaceX and they have for years. Now, let's paint a broader picture of Starlink's impact on a global scale. Recently, satellite internet venture uh, Starlink and SpaceX won a significant contract with Mexico's state energy firm to roll out internet access, especially targeting rural areas. Uh, we're talking about $101 million. And the fascinating part? Starlink's offer was too good to refuse, undercutting competition with better pricing. This contract isn't just about numbers, it's about bringing the digital divide to everybody. Now imagine living in a remote village, getting high-speed internet from the sky. That's the reality. There's no cables other than the cable that's connecting your satellite dish to your terminal or your computer or your laptop or whatever device it is. And this contract with Mexico CFE is a huge milestone. It's a multi-year agreement that underscores Starlink's growing influence and hints at a potential to revolutionize global internet access. And with this move, Starlink is not just a huge constellation of satellites anymore, but it's a lifeline to connectivity for many people that didn't have it before. Not just Mexico, though. Deals like this paved the way for Starlink to expand its footprint worldwide, solidifying its status as a major player in global internet provision. It's not just every day that a new player steps in and completely disrupts and changes the game for internet access. Now, looking at the big picture, what does all this mean for SpaceX and Starlink? Now, we're witnessing the birth of a new era where internet access could become as ubiquitous as the air we breathe. It's everywhere. It's not just about the internet. It's about the vision of a world more connected than ever before. And SpaceX's ascent in the commercial space sector is mirrored by Starlink's rise in global connectivity. It's a dual thrust that propels Musk's vision into reality. With every satellite launch, it's closer to a network that blankets the whole Earth, turning science fiction into reality. SpaceX is riding the wave of a new space race, one that's less about reaching the stars and more about bringing the power of the cosmos and the internet to everybody. And with the company breaking even, it's a sign that they're not just launching rockets, they're launching something much bigger in the future. The next part is going to be about SpaceX's Starship because the thing might launch in the next week, according to some insider sources. But the FAA safety review of SpaceX's Starship marked a significant milestone for the aerospace company just recently. And after the explosive test flight in April, the FAA grounded Starship to conduct a thorough investigation. And this review was not just a procedural step, 
but a deep dive into the technical and operational nuances of SpaceX's Starship Super Heavy. And the FAA evaluated the Super Heavy booster's performance, specifically focusing on the unexpected rock tornado and the subsequent damage to the surrounding environment. And SpaceX's commitment to safety was put to the test as the review scrutinized the mishap's causes and examined the company's safety culture, the system safety processes, and the quantitative risk analysis for launch and reentry operations. Now, in response to the FAA's findings, SpaceX undertook an intensive period of reflection and revision. The grounding period served as an impetus for the company to pore over every detail of their operations, leading to the identification of 63 corrective measures required before Starship could return to the skies. These actions were not merely reactive patches to the identified issues, but proactive steps towards ensuring a safer and more reliable launch system altogether. And the changes including redesigns to prevent leaks and fires, robustness improvements to the launch pad, and enhancement design process reviews. And the company adherence to these stringent requirements underscores its dedication to advancing space technology within the bounds of regulatory compliance and operational safety. Now, SpaceX's transparent approach to addressing the FAA's safety concerns reflects the company's maturity and the growing expertise in spaceflight. And the redesigns, particularly of the vehicle hardware and the launch pad, aim to fortify Starship against the raw power of the 33 Raptor engines. Now, these engines, while a marvel of engineering, unleashed a force that was previously underestimated, prompting a reevaluation of the vehicle's design and the launch infrastructure. And SpaceX's approach to revising its design process, including more rigorous analysis and testing of safety-critical systems like the Autonomous Flight Safety System, demonstrates a commitment to improvement and learning from these experiences. And looking to the future, the FAA safety review completion is more than just a checkbox for SpaceX. It's an affirmation of the company's ability to innovate within the stringent demands of aerospace safety standards. And the successful implementation of the FAA's prescribed correction actions signifies not only a step closer to Starship's return to flight, but also a precedent for the safety protocols for the future missions of space. The environmental review process for SpaceX's Starship is as crucial as the technical safety reviews. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's environmental assessment is a comprehensive examination of Starship's potential impacts on local habitat, which is home to a variety of species, including some that are endangered. And this review takes into account not only the immediate effects of a launch, like potential habitat disruption and noise pollution, but also long-term considerations such as the impact of construction and increased human activity around the Boca Chica site. The introduction of the Deluge system is one of the many steps that SpaceX has taken to mitigate the environmental impacts of the systems. Now, this system, which sprays vast quantities of water to absorb the shock and the noise of the Raptor engines at launch, represents a significant engineering effort to protect the local ecosystem. However, the solution is not without its challenges. The water used in the system, now exposed to extreme heat and potentially hazardous materials, poses a risk to the wetland habitats around the launch site. State and federal environmental officials are thus closely examining the system's effectiveness and its potential to harm the delicate ecological balance of this region. And in addition to the environmental review by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, SpaceX must also navigate the complexities of multiple regulatory bodies. And the ongoing collaboration with local and federal agencies reflects SpaceX's understanding of the importance of environmental stewardship. The company's efforts to clean up debris from the April launch and the continuous communication with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department 
illustrate an ongoing commitment to not only comply with environmental regulations, but also to be a good steward of the natural resources that surround the Starbase facility. Now, the environmental assessments outcome will play a huge role in Starship's future. If the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services review concludes positively, it'll mark another step forward for SpaceX. However, should it identify further concerns, SpaceX will be required to undertake additional measures to safeguard the environment. The aftermath of the April test flights incident has been a period of intense scrutiny and overhaul for SpaceX, too. The explosive failure during the test, which resulted in debris being scattered over a wide area and causing fires, necessitated a comprehensive review of the Starship and all of the ground systems. And the FAA's investigation brought to light several root causes, including issues with the flight termination system that resulted in a delayed explosion. The 40-second delay in the termination sequence, in particular, pointed to potential vulnerabilities in the system that could pose risks not only to the Starship and a Super Heavy, but also to the public safety during future flights. SpaceX's response to the FAA's review was swift and thorough. The corrective actions identified spanned a wide range of improvements, from hardware designs to the implementation of more rigorous testing protocols. And one of the key areas of focus was on the launch pad itself. The sheer power of the Starship's 33 Raptor engines had not been fully anticipated, resulting in the pad surface being absolutely obliterated. And SpaceX's design aims to increase the launch pad's robustness, ensuring it can withstand the tremendous forces of future launches. And the corrective actions also extended to the Starship's process. The FAA called for more in-depth reviews and analysis of safety-critical systems. This included the autonomous flight safety system, which is crucial for ensuring that the vehicle can be terminated safely in the event of an anomaly during flight. The corrective actions dictated by the FAA formed a comprehensive checklist for SpaceX to address the issues observed during the April launch. These included fundamental redesigns of the vehicle's hardware, particularly those elements that could leak or potentially cause fires. A significant portion of these modifications focused on ensuring that all systems are robust against the extreme conditions of spaceflight, such as the thermal and pressure stresses experienced during launch and re-entry. Furthermore, the company was mandated to overhaul its launch pad, critical infrastructure that supports the vehicle before and during the early stages of ascent. And this redesign aimed to increase the pad's resilience against the formidable thrust produced by the Super Heavy Booster's Raptor engines. In addition to the physical improvements to the hardware and infrastructure, SpaceX was prompted to enhance its design review process. This change was not merely procedural, it represented a fundamental shift towards a more cautious and thorough approach to vehicle safety. The company increased its analysis and testing of all safety-critical systems, including those responsible for autonomous flight termination. Change control practices were also a significant area of focus in the corrective action plan. SpaceX implemented additional measures to ensure that all changes to the vehicle or systems, no matter how minor, were thoroughly vetted and tested before being approved. This level of meticulousness in change management is vital in any industry where even the smallest oversight can lead to catastrophic outcomes. The changes aim to establish a culture where continuous improvement is balanced with stringent control and oversight. And the launchpad redesign reflects SpaceX's dedication not just to the super heavy goals of getting to Mars, but it's also a safety concern that they're worried about. And by increasing the robustness of the launch pad and refining the safety measures for the Starship vehicle, SpaceX is laying the groundwork for a more resilient Starbase infrastructure in the future. These efforts, while prompted by a past failure, 
are forward-looking and are expected to form the foundation of safer, more reliable, and increasingly ambitious star-based action in the future. In the not-so-distant future, SpaceX will be launching the IFT-2 Starship flight from Boca Chica Starbase, Texas, and we kind of have an idea of when. And this is so cool. I'm so pumped about this because Elon Musk and SpaceX have both said that they do plan to do a mid-November launch. Okay, so the second test flight of a fully integrated Starship could launch as soon as mid-November, pending regulatory approval. Now, SpaceX and the FAA work closely together and they talk all the time, which we don't have the information about what they say to each other, or how they communicate, but they think a mid-November launch is possible. Now, we have some backup data for this, and we're going to go into a little bit more information about this. Elon and SpaceX, this is called a NOTMAR, or a NOTAM, sorry, the NOTAM. And the NOTAM basically says, keep out of this area because there's going to be rocket launching activity between September 29th, 2023. Um, this was when it was issued, and then October 1st through December 31st, right? So that's like some some time, right? That Elon and SpaceX said, okay, so when could we launch this thing? Possible launch activities in October? So that kind of threw us all off, right? And this was in September, September 29th. And Elon and maybe SpaceX thought it's going to take a little longer than November. But since they just posted this a little bit ago, a couple of days ago, this is kind of null and void. This could possibly also be for future launches for IFT3. So let's just let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Now we have a little bit more information, a little bit more data that we can go on for the next launch. Alex Physics 13 on Twitter, or X, uh, a NOTAM has been posted for Mexican airspace for the next launch of SpaceX's Starship. The notice is valid from November 13th to the 18th, with daily windows running from 7 a.m. CST to 9.39 a.m. CST. So they're going to be doing an early launch window for this. They have a, about a two-hour and 39-minute launch window for this thing. And as you can tell, a dangerous area uh, for falling debris of Starship rocket, SpaceX lateral limit areas formed by the Union are the following points. And these are the, uh, the coordinates of where this may happen. So Alex has the information. This is pretty cool. 7 a.m. to 9.39 a.m., November 13th to the 18th. Now, if we go back to Cameron County, where SpaceX is located, November 13th, 2023, 12 a.m. to 2 p.m. This is directly from the county saying possible closure of Highway 4, which is the highway that's running down to Starbase, which is where they launched our ship. I'm I'm so pumped. This is this is going to happen. IFT2 is going to happen sometime soon, hopefully. November 14th and November 15th as well, in case the primary date doesn't go off when they want it to. Now, SpaceX updated the Starship's second flight webpage too. And this is on the SpaceX official website. Second flight test. And they go through all of the information about the flight. We have a whole video about that, the last video before this one. So I'll link it at the end of the, this video so you can understand what's going on in this page. But they do a new flight pattern um, where they ascend and they separate, hot stage separating, etc. And, you know, 
that's been posted to SpaceX's website. Now, here is the secret. Okay, are you guys ready for the secret? Because the secret isn't on the outside. The secret is on the inside. It's hidden in the code of this web page. It's hidden right here. This is the code. This is the JSON from this. And Starship Flight 2, Starship Second Flight Test, subtitle, Upcoming Launch, Learn More, Call to Action. Quick Detail Null, Date 11 13 2023. It's nowhere to be seen on the front of this page. There's nothing here about the 13th. Let's find, let's do a find for 13. There's nothing other than one minute, 13 seconds. Ship locks load underway. Other than that, that's it. But if you go into the code, 11, 13, 2023, I'm using Firefox here. So it looks a little bit different, but here you can see the assets from uh, the page, which is a JPEG flight mission to desktop, et cetera, et cetera. Also, this thing can be backed up by somebody that we all love and trust, Eric Berger. At the end of this article on Ars Technica, you can see Eric saying, um, SpaceX will again target a morning liftoff for the rocket, perhaps around 8 a.m. local time in South Texas. Sources have indicated to Ars that the earliest possible launch date is November 13th, but nothing is set in stone. The flight timeline and profile released by the company on Friday for the second flight test is similar to April's test etc etc now he's talking about this page right here so we have some possible dates 11 13 2023 do you think they're going to launch this early or do you think the fish and wildlife service are going to hold them back a little bit please let me know in the comments below i think we have some pretty good evidence of the net uh launch of the starship ift2 though basically because of this code and also because of uh alex's Twitter post here, uh, November 13th to 18th. So they have a five day range there that may happen. And of course this is, you know, this is all subject to change. This is all speculation. So a uh, dangerous area because we don't have the FAA approval yet. They don't have a flight approval that they've announced yet. And they don't have the fish and wildlife service, uh, uh like handoff. So they don't actually have any, evidence that this is going to happen on this day, but they do this just in case if it all goes through, it's basically like, okay, we're going to, we're going to set this site, this time aside. And if it does happen, um, then we're all set. We're all good to go. So dangerous area for falling debris and starship rocket SpaceX lateral limit areas, uh, formed by the unit of following areas. So that's a possibility that it's happening. Um, pretty soon yeah let me know what you think in the comments below do you think they're gonna think they're gonna launch it um i was questioning mid-november um and i was gonna i was saying like mid to late november was basically my speculation when they started uh doing the fish and wildlife service i thought it was going to be a little bit later than that i thought it was gonna they're gonna take all the time they could and do it until like maybe early next year but then i i kind of held i kind of pushed back a little bit and middle of november maybe uh, December, maybe early December, who knows at this point, but 11, 13 to the 18th, be ready for announcements in the next few days, because it's the seventh today. And if you're new to this channel, I want to say thank you for tuning in today. And if you've been here for a while, I want to say thank you for sticking around. And if you're, you've been here and you watch this stuff and you've watched numerous videos, 
please give this video a thumbs up and please subscribe to the channel because it does help. It's free. It only takes a second and it helps out tremendously when we get new subscribers. And also leave a comment down below. The interaction with people uh, on the pages is awesome. So I want to know your thoughts about all of this. And it's still, of course, just speculation. You know, we don't really know exactly when this is going to launch, but here's some concrete proof on SpaceX's own website, 11-13-2023, that this is when they do have the no earlier than launch date for Starship IFT-2. So that's about it for today, everybody. I really do appreciate you.